goal today is to get to the mission statement of Christ, Luke chapter 4, but we got to hit this first. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, the Apostle Paul said, look carefully then how you walk. Now when he said look carefully, I've heard this preached from preachers who are like, they're so sin obsessed. They're, they're saying, be careful what you do. Be careful where you go. Be careful, 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 careful. This is not what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's not saying about being cautious. And he's certainly not saying be fear-filled. What he's saying is to be aware of how you conduct yourself in a season of opportunity. Look carefully, then how you walk. Listen to this. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. Not as the unwise and witless. Everyone say, that's not me. I'm not witless and I'm not unwise. I'm going to be aware of the season I'm in. And listen, every one of us, it doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter how many years we have behind us or how many years we've got in front of us. It doesn't matter what our gender is. It doesn't matter what our race is. This is a season of opportunity for the king's kids. In Luke chapter 4, when we get there, we'll discover that he said this is the year of God's favor. So there is favor awaiting us. And we got to wake up and be careful to recognize God is giving me an opportunity and I'm not going to squander it because I'm not unwise and I'm not witless. This is meant to be the time of my life. Living with aim and purpose and accomplishing great things. D.L. Moody once said, and I'm chasing rabbits, they're all over the place. D.L. Moody once said that as the people of God, we ought to expect great things from God. Can you say amen? amen. And we ought to attempt great things for God. Amen. In order to expect great things and attempt great things, we can't live as if nothing good is ever going to happen in our lives. I hear people say, Pastor, I'm too old. I've made too many mistakes. Too many years are under the bridge. Can I say something to you in the spirit of grace and compassion? That's nonsense. God is not a man that he should lie. And he declared this is the year of favor. And he has declared from heaven that opportunities abound. As often as you have opportunity, the book of Galatians says, take the advantage of the opportunity to do good. So this is your year of opportunity. Now, I want to say this. It may not be the same opportunity you had when you're 15 if you're 50. But quit crying about it. When you're young, it's the opportunity to do. When you're old, it's the opportunity to teach. But it's still an opportunity. It doesn't matter that last season's opportunities are gone. There's new opportunities. So we need to live in a way to being aware of it. Not as the unwise and witless, but as the wise, sensible, intelligent people. Verse 16, listen to this. Making the very most of the time. Making the very most of the time. Buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Now, Paul breaks this down into two categories, the wise and the unwise. They both have time. 
But the unwise do not redeem their time. They waste it. They just let life go by and most often make excuses and complain about why nothing good ever happens. But I want to point out, it's written. That means our uncertainty is unnecessary. Both the wise and the witless have time. But if we're wise, and I should add this, faith-filled, believing that God's word is true, then we buy back our time. What does that mean? That means we pay whatever price we got to pay in order to redeem the time that we have and make it into something productive. Because the days left to themselves are like a garden unattended. They produce nothing but weeds. So everyone say, I'm wise, not witless. The witless make excuses. Oh, there's a lion outside. I can't go out. The weather's bad. It's raining out there. I can't go to work today. It's below 40. Look at Proverbs chapter 22. Listen, this is what the Proverbs says in verse 13 of chapter 22. The sluggard, the lazy, the witless, says there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the streets. So I'm going to stay home. And then if you look at Proverbs 26, verse 14, as the door, this is just one of the things it says, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. But as the people of God, in love with his plans and purposes, we're not about that lazy, excuse-filled life. We're all about, listen, we're all about seizing every opportunity that comes our way, no matter what age we are. So we got to get out there. In 2024, as we set the pace, let's go out there believing God's got good things in store and, and, and redeem every opportunity like we're the boss. And I don't know if I'm preaching to anyone but myself, but I'm going to make myself happy. The Apostle Paul says we got to make the most of every time. Now, when he said look carefully, as I said, this doesn't mean to be cautious. It literally means to be observant, to be observant, really to be expectant. If you order something on Amazon and you know it's supposed to arrive the day after you order it, your expectation gives rise to observance. Because every vehicle that drives by, you're looking to see if that's the one. And see, if you and I believe God has something good, that he's got new mercies and he's got new opportunities, then every day we're looking, saying, is that my opportunity? Is that the moment? So be observant. Think about how you conduct yourselves in your present opportunity-filled season. And every season has opportunity. I can't stress this enough because, listen, the world will beat hope out of us. And you've got churches filled with people whose only hope is death. That's why every song they sing is about won't we be happy over there, over there. When will we be healed? Over there. When will we finally be prosperous? Over there. When will we be happy? Why? Because they've given up on life. And it amazes me, and it always has, and I've actually been uninvited to churches because of a mindset like this. 
that what a shame it is that the people of God, the ones whom he died, that we might have life. And as the Bible says, not just life, but abundant life. So the one who died to give us life watches his people wait to die. Because we've given up on this thing called life instead of embracing it and realizing there's the power of God that's available on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And every day when I wake up, I'm expecting a benefit from God. That there's opportunities for me. I'm not 15 anymore, and I discover it every time I try to do something. My wife said, you're not allowed to hurt yourself at Christmas time anymore. And I thought, well, then quit packing heavy boxes. I thought it. I didn't say it because I ain't witless. But I have discovered that I seem to injure myself in silly little ways. But that doesn't mean my season of opportunity is over. I cringe when I hear people talk about 40s too old to do anything and 50s too old to do anything and 60s too old to do anything. Ask Abraham about being too late. Ask Moses about making too many mistakes. And I wonder if Daniel would agree that you're beyond his help when he was in the lion's den. It's never too late, and God can reach you, and God can bless you, and God can give you opportunities at this season of your life to do something so extraordinary that should the Lord tarry, your great-grandchildren will talk about what great-grandpa did. Mm. So every season has opportunity. It won't be the same as last season's, and it won't be the same as next season. But it will be a year of favor. Everyone, let's say this out loud. 2024 is the year of God's favor for me. On me and in me. Paul is telling us, listen, that as wise people, we're to live life on purpose. Not aimlessly, but on purpose, with a plan and focused intensity. Accurately, in a way that is correct. Correct to what? Correct to the season that we're in. This is the reason why the apostle said, be observant. There's, listen, when you're a grandma... Don't dress like you're a teenager anymore. And listen, I know you were a football star, but dude, you put on 100 pounds. Put the jersey away. It don't fit so well no more. That was last season. This is this season. And here's the thing. When we're living out of season, when we don't observe the season we're in, we exchange the glory of this season for the gory mushiness, like an apple gone bad and out of season. I would rather have the glory of 50 than remember what it was when I was 15. No matter what Hollywood says, 
Y'all, there ain't no time machine. We ain't going back and doing it over. So let's seize the moment that we're in and declare this is a brand new year. This is 24, and I can do something. Mm. I think this is going to be the best year ever for our church. The apostle continued on making the very most of the time. Now I want you to hear, time here is not chronos, which is tick-tock, tick-tock. The word time here means a season. And it's literally in the Greek an opportune time or a season of opportunity. This is what the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said is be aware, be careful not to miss the season you're in, but to observe it as a season of opportunity. Mm. An opportunity to do what? To do more than you've done before? To be more than you've been before? To know God better than you've ever known God and to do more kingdom exploits than you've ever done? To live a life of such legacy that when the time comes, should the Lord tarry and you go the way of the grave, hundreds if not thousands mourn your passing because you were such a person that touched an entire generation. I'm preaching and y'all ain't even listening. Recognize the season you're in as a season of opportunity. Mm. One, I, I love, listen, I love to hear the stories of when our own people take advantage of opportunities. And we have a video that I want to show you of one of our very own who has overcome amazing odds to seize an opportunity. If you would, put that up on the screen, Sister Fowler. This morning of a small smidgen of what God has been doing and teaching me. Um, one really neat thing was that um, I had a nephew that was coming and the Lord put it on my heart to write a book, which I thought was interesting because um, I like to write, but I don't typically write books. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, Lord, if you want me to write a book, you're gonna have to give me a book to write because I don't know what to write. And I woke up one morning and he said, go and write this. 20 minutes, done. And uh, I showed it to a friend and they were like, that is so cute. You need to go farther with this than just handing it to this couple. And I prayed about that and the Lord said, your next step is to find an illustrator. I was like, oh boy. So I prayed about it and the Lord led me to um, a gal who I actually met when she was five, but I didn't know we were gonna get reconnected in this way. And I was like, Lord, if this is the illustrator you have for me, she needs to read the book and be able to pull from it. And I don't have to tell her what to do. She sees the same vision that I see for it. There's unity. I sent her the book and she writes back, I love this book. I'm gonna summarize. I don't care what needs to happen. I wanna illustrate this book. Can I give you a sample of my work? We'll work, worry about payment later. I'm like, that's great, because uh, in, in the real world, I don't have anything to offer you. That's just the truth. So, um, you know, let's m move forward knowing where we're both at, right? <laughs> and God will provide. And she said, yes, the Lord will provide. So she sends me some drawings. They're exactly what I want. She sees the same heartbeat for the book. I'm getting really excited. And then nothing. And finally, I was like, well, Lord, like, what's my next step? 
And I just started praying, Lord, show me what you want me to do next. And I had been off of all social media for like a month and loving it. And I was going to bed and I was going to pick up my little book on the kingdom and keep learning about the kingdom. And the Lord says, get on Facebook. I'm like, I don't know. about." And so as we were working on this, she said, okay, I'm going to send you over my proposal. I'm like, oh yeah, the proposal about that. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, just send it over. And in my heart, I began to be concerned. Like, well, I don't really have anything to pay her. And I just started praying about it. I'm like, Lord, you asked me to write the book. You, you directed all these things. I'm not backing up now. You can do this. And then I remembered the verse about God gives seed to the sower. And I'm like, here's the book. It's yours. I'm going to sow the book. So now you take care of it. And I'm going to stand on the promise of your word. And it's done. You will give me seed because that's what the earth world uses. And this book will go out if this is your will. And then she sent me the proposal. Of course, it was way more than I could afford, but I didn't even care. I'm like, so excited, can't wait to get started. And I was like, Lord, what do I do? And he brought to mind a friend of mine who probably knew more about books than I did. And, and I said, okay, I'll just send her the proposal. And I had shown her the book as well, uh, kind of a random thing. I don't even know why I'd shown it to her, um, but I did. And I send her the, the proposal, and she's like, this is perfect. I love the way this woman writes. I love what her plan is. I like how well it was laid out, and I'm in. And I'm like, I'm in? What does that mean? And the Lord said, she's going to pay for it. And I'm like, oh, no, she isn't. She has done so much for me. She owes me nothing. I can't let her do this. And literally, he said, you gave the book to me. I gave seed for the sowing. You can struggle or you can let me do it. And I was like, oh my goodness, yes sir. Let the girl pay for whatever she wants. And then I also understood giving is better than receiving greater, you know? So I called her up, I said, hey, by the way, what did you mean by I'm in? She said, when you put that book in my lap, before I ever opened it, the Lord told me invest here. She said, whatever invoice you have, you send it directly to me. And I uh, was like, okay. She's like, you're cool with that? I said, yeah, the Lord talked to me, I'm okay. She said, good. So now we have um, an author, we have an editor, we have an illustrator, we have an investor. Each person doing their part to bring to life something that's bigger than any four of us, which is exactly what the book is about. Testimony of a small smidgen of what God has been doing and teaching me, um, one really, <laughs> and here, here's the thing that I want you to understand that's breaking out everywhere everywhere in our congregation God is bringing dreams back and he's healing people and just this morning Jess told me she wrote a book so we got to get a video on her book and I'm like wait a minute everyone's writing books I gotta write a book don't let life pass us by. When Paul said to redeem it, I hope you heard what Christy said. When Paul said redeem the time, in the kingdom, it's not about how much money you have. It's about how much faith do you have. Because in the kingdom, you can buy without coin. 
So the way we redeem our time is we turn our time over to him in expectation that God's going to do something and make something beautiful with the time that he's given us. 2024 is a time not for mediocrity. And it's certainly not a time to waste. It, 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 it's a time to grab a hold of. It's a time to believe God. It's a time to relight those old fires, drink from those old wells. Go back to when you believed all things were possible and believe that they're all possible again. Mm. Go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2. I'm going to try to hurry here. But my wife told me this morning, not stop doing that. This is important. I want to say it again. The unwise look for excuses. And the children of God should never give excuses as to why they can't take opportunity. Just drop the excuses and pick up the mantle of greatness for him. Acts chapter 2. I want to show you no one is disqualified. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon some of mankind. All mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy telling forth the divine counsels, and your young men shall see visions, divinely granted appearances, and your old men shall dream divinely suggested dreams. Yes, verse 18, and on my men servants also and on my maid servants in those days I will pour out of my spirit and they shall prophesy, telling forth divine counsels, predicting future events, pertaining especially to God's kingdom. No one is exempt from making the most of our time because it's not by our might nor by our intellect, but it's by his spirit which has been poured out upon us all. I really, listen, we can't make excuses and be anointed at the same time. Can't. And you can't opt out just because you're over 70 or under 17. We all got to pick it up. Now, in closing, go to Luke chapter 4. And in closing, don't get your hopes up because it don't mean a whole lot. But this is where I wanted to get. All of that was introduction. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. And stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. This is what he said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. Verse 19. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now I want you to look at this verse, and I'm going to break it apart. But today I, I want to look at one particular part because it pertains to seeing with eyes of faith. He said here, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach recovery of sight to the blind. Now, it's real important that we understand that in the Greek language, the word blind here does not pertain primarily to physical blindness. It pertains primarily to those who cannot see mentally or spiritually. I want to say it again, because see, you got to, can you give me a few more moments? Remember who he was talking to. He was talking to a people that had been beat down by both Rome and religious teachers. It wasn't just Rome that pressed them down. It was their own Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and priests. They were a people who had no hope, no future. Nothing to look forward to. They believed God had not spoken in 400 years. And he says, God has anointed me to tell the blind. You can see again. He's given recovery of, those, of sight to those who have no dreams. To those who have no mental image of a better day. To the ancient Jew, they believed that the imagination was the source of creativity. They understood in order to be it, you had to see it. In order to become it, you had to believe it. But the problem was they had been, their eyes had been gouged out. The ability to see spiritually, mentally, to have an image of what could be was gone. And Jesus says, just like I'm going to reach the poor, I'm going to reach the downcast, I'm going to reach the brokenhearted, I want to tell those of you who can't see, this is the year of God's favor. This is the year to be dream-filled again, to believe God for favor on your life. Mm. And what was going to bring that about? The anointing. The anointing of God saturating the ears, filling the heart, was going to open up the eyes. Let me show you in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to just show you that there's a, there's, there's, there's a blindness that's worse than the darkness of the physical eye. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the apostle speaks of those in whose case the God of this world has blinded the what? The minds, an inability to see something new that should not be you and me. But in order to believe that this is a season of opportunity, we have to open up our eyes again and be willing to see this is not just the turning of the pages of a calendar. And it's not just another year going by and making us older. It's not about wrinkles or gray hair. It's about the spirit of the living God energizing the people of God yes. and stepping back over into a spiritual realm of life that even if we're 80, we can say, give me my mountain. Yes. 
It doesn't matter how many giants in the way. It doesn't matter if there's a lion in the street. We ain't making any more excuses. We got more in, 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 in connection or in common with Caleb and Joshua than we do with the others who made excuses. We are going to say to the rest of our lives, give me back my dream. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And I'm going to wake up in the morning believing I can do something great with this day. And we're not just waiting. We're not putting our joy off to death. Hmm. Everyone say this with me. Redeem the time. I want to put up as we close a, a quote from a woman you maybe have heard of. Her name was Harriet Tubman. I seriously doubt you've had to overcome what she had to overcome. But this is what she said. Always remember, you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars, to change the world. Do you have that strength? Do you have that passion? Is God for you and not against you? Do you believe even just a little bit that these can be the best days of your life? That you can walk in a greater anointing than you've ever walked in? That you can see visions, you can have dreams, you can prophesy, you can interact with God, and you can lay your hands on the sick and see him recover, and everything you put your hands to will prosper? That failure is not going to be a... I wish somebody was listening to me. Failure is not a part of our lives. It's not in the kingdom DNA. God is not designed us to fail. He's not designed us to fall. He has designed us to be overcomers, and he has called us more than conquerors. And all we've got to do is believe. Believe that the God of David is the God of Jimmy. And if there's a lion in my way, I'll do what David did to his. If there's a bear in my way, I'll do what David did to his. And if there's a giant in my path, I'll do to him what David did to his. Because the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob is the God of Brian, is the God of Steve, is the God of Real Life Church. Stand to your feet this morning. We thought we had that fixed. The devil's a liar. Lift your hands to the Lord. I want you to make your own declaration. I want you to declare so that your ears can hear your voice. And we'll say it together. Father, I believe your spirit is upon me. Your anointing is in me. Your word works mightily. This is our time. This is the kingdom time. We will go forward, not backward. And we will do exploits in your name. And it will be said of us as it was said of those in days of old that we have turned our world upside down. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.